Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is July 19th. Andy, how are we doing? Brendan, I'm doing great. We are uh, on the eve of the Open. I am... Uh, kind of. I'm contemplating my schedule, my schedule this time of year, how I'm going to tackle this thing, and I don't have any good answers. It's a different, unique challenge. Of course, this time last year we were over in Scotland, which made it a little more, uh, you know, customary and routine than we're used to for major championships. Uh, did not make, decided not to make the trip this year, and here I am back to some of my older blogging days of ten years ago, where I don't know. Except now I have four kids and a bunch of other bullshit going on in my life that, like, can I wake up at one thirty Eastern to watch Sandy Lyle or whoever it would be? This now it's Matthew Jordan, I think the local kid go from the first tee on uh i don't know i don't know what we're gonna do i I usually the best play is just to take your beatings the first night and just go catch a nap wednesday afternoon catch a good nap wednesday wednesday afternoon wednesday eastern united states time and then just stay up all night you think i should just stay up through now, yours is a little different. Yours is literally starting like at night, Wednesday night. What is it? 10, 10 o'clock, basically. 10.30 West Coast. Uh, with the best players. I don't want to say best, but the kind of the featured groups starting around what would be one local for you. Yeah. It's a tricky. For the East Coast. I think, I'm thinking, I'm thinking sleepy pills are my best bet. What does that mean? Just, that seems like a dangerous game. <laughs> You know, I might need to, you know, find some some things that make you sleep and, and just knock myself out at 7 p.m. Oh, eh, that seems like you wake up probably like out of sorts and worse for the wear. I don't have extensive experience with that, but that seems like a dangerous game. I, It'll be good, though. Regardless, it's one week a year, right? I mean, this is why we kind of come... <laughs> As, as unique and art and challenging as it may be, this is a little bit of the charm of being an American golf fan watching the British Open. I gotta, I gotta, game. I gotta put something out into the world. I think that you're, you didn't want to go over because you have a. We've learned that you hate a lot of things, and I think today I was reading. The world I was right reading. Now? I was going through our roundtable for the for the Friday newsletter tomorrow. And you put a question in there. Just stir in the pot. Are the Beatles overrated? Do you hate the Beatles? No. Do you think they're overrated? I don't hate the Beatles. Uh, I think there's kind of a a little bit of an undue, I don't know, deference and crowding for every single thing they touch and do. I don't think... Look, I get that they were trailblazers in a certain era and very... 
very talented and accomplishment. They make great music. They've made a lot of great music. Doesn't totally hit for me in the same way Rotisserie Chicken maybe not, doesn't hit for me. Um, I realize they are extremely talented, have a, a wide range of accomplishments, are hailed by both the hipsters and the mass popular culture alike. Um, I think Crowbar and Beatles references into every 10 minutes on the coverage this week is getting a little grating. Uh, I don't know how well they play today, quite honestly. I don't know how well they resonate today. I mean, it's like... Unbelievable. I'm not saying they're overrated. I'm not. I'm saying every reference, every five minutes for Liverpool might be getting a little overrated. You know, find a different, find a different hook every now and then. So, um, I hope. Are you I think hope, they're overrated? I'm just going to make references the rest of the week, just just because. No, they aren't overrated. This is this is this is an epidemic in the in the in the world. The music is like yeah, all of a sudden is, we just uh, oh, like you know, these guys were wildly successful, produced dozens of hit songs. Like I always think, if you go to no if you go to a that. concert. And you know this is this is true of only a few bands where they can play like a legit, you know, to I don't know the exact wording of of how you would structure a con- con- concert, but where they play, they have a little break and they come back out and play, you know, so they have two sets effectively with like a little break in between. When you have bands that can do that. Mm-hmm. And then you like leave the concert and you're like, whoa, you know what? They didn't play this song. I wish they would have played this song. And then, but at the same time, you do every song totally. they played. The Beatles are one of those bands. There aren't many so you of put them. them on a par with like, you put them on a par with someone like, I don't know, Kenny Chesney who can play hits. You're, you're doing well, this. No, I, I'm not saying a there. hit metric, but I'm saying more of like, all right, like I went to, I went to a Foo Fighters okay. concert. I went to a Foo just Fighters concert. Uh, All right, I'm okay. not. I'm not a Foo Fighters fan, but I walked away from the sure. concert. And I was like, man, that was awesome. <laughs> like I knew all the songs, even though I'm just like a casual fan, and they rocked. Right? Like, and obviously, like Dave Grohl is like a legendary performer. Right? Has some talent. But yep. like, yep. you know, I just think that there there needs to be. I don't think you can say the Beatles are overrated. I just, I think it's blasphemy. This is, I know this is my I'd opinion. Say Jordan Spieth's just a guy. He is just a guy, though. <laughs> uh, I know it's. I think it's hard to. Did say Jordan Spieth? Did Jordan Spieth get a press conference? I don't. I mean, did he just turn it down? Why didn't he get one? Why did he Rory get, one? get one? Rory got one. He know. turned it down. He turned it down. When was the last time Rory? Talk- when was the last time Rory or Rom didn't have a press conference or Scotty? Rom had one. Yeah, I'm Rom saying. I'm saying. One. When was the last? Had- when was oh, the last all, time they didn't? Three. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, Scotty, well, we uh, need to reassess that. This is the metric we're now using. It's just Matthew another. Jordan. This is another. It's another metric. It's just another metric. Fitzy. How many? How many press conferences did Jordan Spieth do this this uh, major season? It's a good question. I'm sure he did the Masters. He did a U.S. Open. No PGA. Right, LACC. No, no Oak, Oak Hill. Maybe he did because he was going for the Grand Slam. 
Where are we at Colin Morikawa getting press conferences anymore? Do we need to look into that, reassessing that? He's a two-time major winner, but he seems quite surly, and then like people don't have questions, and then he doesn't have great answers, and it just doesn't seem like a good If somebody's not time, interesting, but... they shouldn't have press conferences. <laughs> All right. I have nothing against the Beatles. Nothing against Seems them. like you Maybe do. Just I can't believe you put that question in, devotion into around. the news. I into was the just trying letter. to get it in there. Mix it in I think there. You, you, need to, enough- you need to reply yes since you put it in there. Because uh, right now you got me and Garrett in there saying emphatic no's. Oh, I popped back at you. I already put my answer in. I said, you know, you just crown everything they touch just because they make hits. Doesn't That's precisely what overrated might be. That's what, Everything's just that's all what you guys do with Jordan what? Spieth. You crown every just shot that any <laughs> normal guy could hit. <laughs> every caddy combo he has, all of a sudden, he's, you know, that's, that's recorded. He becomes a unique superstar every shot that's pulled off on route 72 (laughs) i just want to say i hate that i have to be here i i thoroughly enjoy watching jordan spieth play golf well we're gonna keep you there you're putting me on this anti-beat which you know it's the most like zag position you could make you know i'm just gonna get an onslaught of people talking about how i'm the dilettante or a luddite or whatever it may be but i'm not saying anything bad about the beatles doesn't hit for me in the same way it does for so many devotees um all right now that we're there i just threw that question in to mix it up there's a lot of chatter about internal out of bounds a lot of chatter about the new 17th um little i as it's called like the story it should have been we i isn't that a scottish thing Uh is it it's not maybe I could be wrong. Well, I'm gonna call it We I. I wrong. This week, okay. We I. It's uh, a better name. You know, tips out at 137 yards. Um, so there's the stories. We're at the point here now. Tuesday afternoon. I cannot. Oh my god. I'm looking at Golf Channel right now. They're alleging we're just going off track here. They're showing TPC Sawgrass 17th hole. Apparently, this is sort of the inspiration. Yes. For this is insane. The new 17th at Royal Liverpool. Uh, not necessarily in form. It's not an island hole. But in function, to have some drama at the penultimate hole. Uh, some, some I don't want to say made for TV, but made for major championship drama. And I just don't think Royal Liverpool is in a position where they should be turning everything topsy-turvy over to emulate TPC Sawgrass, a fine and great course in its own right. Listen. But the motivation seems misguided. Yeah, and and, and this golf course has a history of never being the same. It, like, literally changes every time. So... I I want I I'm not I have I don't have my full opinion on on the 17th hole. I want to see how it plays out and everything. I think like my big fear of the 17th hole is that we see this happen and all of a sudden then like next year you know like more open road courses make changes like this. This is insane. Imagine if like they were if we were like, hey, you know what? We're changing the twelfth hole at Augusta or something. I'm not saying the old seventeenth Liverpool was like this, but like this is the impact. Like if you were if you were just massively changing a hole at Augusta, people would be like, you know, what are you doing? 
you know, was the 15th. They switched directions. There's now, I, I heard it referred to as an infinity green, a horizon green, whatever you want to call it. Um, a lot of coverage. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. It does have that effect, maybe, of a potential um, intrigue at the end there, along with the combined par 5 15th, the par 5, uh, par, par 5 15th, obviously par 5 18th right after it with internal OB, where you can get you know, a variety of numbers. I, I think, you know, I tried to hint at this in the newsletter, but there does seem to be sort of a deference to coverage of open road courses. Um, especially when they make challenge changes like this. Um, and, and maybe that's appropriate. Maybe there should be a deference, but like if Augusta, like Augusta fiddled with 11 in pretty significant ways a couple of years ago, and there was a lot spilled over it and not all of it friendly, like some real analysis of what was done. And for open road, of courses, it just seems to focus on like conditioning or setup where there's some sort of critique. Whereas everything else is like, oh, they've been there a couple hundred years. Um, it all it's link style, so we just we don't. And I think like the the consulting, like the architect Martin Ebert, obviously has a lot of work with a lot of these courses. He's the one who did seventeen. Um, you know, that's, it's just it's, that's there's, a fascinating. There's a this is a whole fascinating topic. Is how one guy, <laughs> one architecture firm, consults with all of the open rota courses. Like this is. You know, outside of Mirfield and and the old course, please God, don't let this guy around them. He seems to be doing the same shit everywhere. Um, I uh, Sandscrapes is uh, being in the company of of this uh, this company and the trip last year. Sandscrapes is a term that has entered my lexicon, and now, like, I didn't really know what I was looking at, but now I see these flyovers, and I'm like triggered. I like fall out of my chair, and it's it certain seems to be a hallmark of. Uh, uh, Mr. Ebert. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, like, I think it's cool if you if you do it in the right setting, but he just does it everywhere, and like, he's he's proposed some preposterous stuff. Like, I I saw the stuff that he was proposing at Gullen. He just like literally proposed to Gullen, one of the oldest courses in in Scotland, like to just blow up everything and effectively change the entire golf course. And it's like, whoa, like, I mean, what? Well, is there really a great thirst in the world of golf for Martin Ebert courses? Like, is that where we're going? Royal Dornick is doing the same thing. I know this is just like Royal Dornick is, is blowing up holes. Like I'm less interested in going to see Royal Dornick that the more Martin Ebert is in it, you know, the less interested I get in seeing in Royal Dornick. And the same goes like, listen, like the 17th hole. And I, I, I I know that this is probably not the like the thing people are most interested in, but like honestly, the stuff he's blowing up, the greens he's redoing on the back nine at Royal Liverpool are are were designed by Harry Colt. Harry Colt is uh like at the time when when everybody was building everything uh, in the twenties, Harry Colt was was widely considered the greatest. I mean, Alistair McKenzie worked for Harry Colt before starting his firm like harry colt is was is effectively like god of golf architecture in the 20s and the right. person widely responsible for putting liverpool together and making it like known as a great golf course in the 20s was harry colt 
And a lot of what Martin Ebert is going around blowing up is Harry Colt's work. And I don't think we should really be celebrating that. Now, will it be a more interesting finish? It could be. Um, is it a better golf course because of this? Probably not. It, it, you know, every day in, day out for members, they, they have a shitty walk now from 17 to 18. Um, they could have just focused on restoring the the Dowie hole that was uh, that they removed. They uh, they removed the Dowie hole in the 90s, um, which was a par three that had out of bounds that that lurked on the left side of it um, because they thought tour pros wouldn't like it. They thought it would, they would think it was silly and unfair. So like, you know, now they got the 17th hole. I listen, I'm, I think this hole could be really cool and really fun. And I think this is a two things are true situation, but I also think it's a, it's a pretty bad precedent to set um, where you're trying to like basically artificially create a exciting finish at a golf course and, and doctoring the finish, because that's like what we want. We want all these courses to be different. We don't want them to be the same, right? Right. You want variety. You don't want necessarily everything to be the TPC Sawgrass finish. Finish yeah. necessarily. Yeah. Right. Right. Like I, I think that what we should note is in here is it also a, a part of the driver of this is it added sixty yards to the eighteenth, the tournament eighteenth here that you know has been an iron iron in the past. And you know is you know probably reachable in two now, but but much more of an effort to get there. Um, I'll just say while we're doing preview, no one's really said anything glowing about seventeen. Now it hasn't been trashed either. I think Brooksy Brooksy of... was pretty glowing. Did he? Yeah, he. Um, okay, he talked about how he liked it a lot. Um, okay. He said Scheffler said, you know, there's no real high percentage play, which I, I found to be an interest, almost an endorsement. I don't mind that where it's like I just have to hit a really good shot as opposed to some safe play. Uh, Fitzpatrick kind of demurred on the, the issue. He said uh, it's just interesting and I'm not going to say anything more how about Fitzy, um, How about Fitzy's press conference. I kind of liked it. <laughs> Me too. What? He's honest. He like basically said, like, I, I don't want to like create an international conflict here, but he said like the Irish fans are better than the English fans, more or less. Like the Irish fans with Shane Lowry, that's a different dynamic. Says he has no chance to win, more or less. Uh, top thirty, I'll be happy. Kind of buries the seventeenth hole without saying it. You know that I'm not going to elaborate. It's interesting. I don't to be kind. Um, he had a good press conference. There, there's just been a lot of comments. Faxon said he's heard everybody comment on it, and nobody said anything glowing yet. Now you have Kepka apparently who did it. Here, here we go in one form. Yeah, I think it's an interesting hole. Um, depends on the wind. If you get a crosswind there, it could be pretty interesting. I'm a big believer in short par threes. Make it difficult, exactly like that. I'm not a huge two sixty two uh, fan of two sixty two fifty. It kind of takes. Yeah. I don't want to say the excitement out of it, but it get it's kind of boring. You already know it's the three iron. Everybody's hitting it to the same spot where I think all the par threes in the world, uh, all the best par threes in the world uh, that have ever been designed are 165 or shorter, 12 at Augusta, 17 at Sawgrass. I mean, postage stamp. There's a bunch of them and you can walk away with a five just as, uh, as easy as uh, you could it. I, I guess that 
Yeah, that's the transcription. Yeah, I like it. Issue. Yep. Um. Yep. So, anyways, like I feel like that was pretty glowing. He likes the par three. Um. And listen, like I, I think it's going to be a good hole for TV. Yes. Is that the motivation that should be carry the day? Maybe, maybe not. Um, you know, one thing. You know what was a good. You know what was good for TV. What when the when the juice box had the had the flagpoles in play, in Houston, and the and the ramp. Talking about Houston Astros. <laughs> Took me a minute there to figure out what the juice box was. Minute Maid Park, formerly Enron. I think it was Enron, Enron Field yeah. at that time when it had the flagpole in the field of play. Um, just thing, just an example. Of- That's just an example of another thing that was great for TV, <laughs> but not necessarily great for like, you know, if you're into, into, into baseball parks. <laughs> Uh, the coin flip at the XFL, where they jump on the pot, uh, jump on the ball, things of that. Great like for that. TV. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I've read, we'll just keep on course stuff here, and then we'll move on. One thing I've read, watched a ton about this course here. One thing that stuck out to me is there's there's a little bit of a country club of Brookline appeal to this, and it being uh, or elements of this, and it being quite a mutt. Uh, like you called Brookline. There's obviously you said it's changed. It worked on. There's like I think there was a hot tree father and a hot tree son. There's now been Donnie Steele. Donnie Steele. <laughs> Donald Don Steele. <laughs> Don Steele. Uh, Ebert as like a helper of the older hot tree. Now Ebert as the main honcho. You've obviously had Harry Colt way back when. It's just been through the ringer. Um, well, this is the way, also with that, the way a lot of a lot of the links courses, a lot of oh, uh, yes, you know, um, mature over time. Then, but most of them, you know, up until recent times, like I feel like most of them kind of held where their position. And we've gotten, I, I, honestly, it feels a little bit like what's going on in the UK to a certain extent with these historic courses is what Reese Jones did to it. You know, I'm not saying mm-hmm. that this is like Reese. This is that Martin Ebert's doing Reese Jones work, but Reese Jones renovated a lot of really great Everything. golf courses for the sake of championship golf. And what you see going on in 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 the UK is Martin Ebert renovating a lot of places for championship golf, and you just wonder. Is this this is just a trend? Everything's a trend. Maybe maybe the restoration trend is over, and we'll head into something else in America soon. But you know, you wonder if this renovation, this this Martin Ebert renovation trend is uh, is going to be a a fleeting one. And another way I found it similar to Brookline is like there's different sort of stages, right? The beginning seems pretty flat, like the race course, what the horse racing course is pretty flat. Then you go into dunescapes, then you go, you know, you come back to the internal OB, then you kind of go, you go out to like really on the edge of the estuary there. It just feels like there's different arenas, right? So to speak, where you're in it for 45 minutes or an hour or whatever, and, and it's very different. 
uh, kind of golf. Yeah, so. I, I think it's just a virtue of um, a golf course that doesn't return, right? You know, Brookline yeah. didn't return yeah. back to the clubhouse. Like when you have those nines that return back, like it brings you back to commonplace. And and when you don't, you can have more of a journey, right, or, around a property. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes it it makes it really cool for the uh, for the viewer, right? Like you, you, it's kind of like you're going through different stages of a story right um and i think like i i I think this golf course is going to be really fun to watch um you know i I, the thing i'm kind of most centered on is you know it's traditionally been a pretty control oriented golf course right everybody talks about how you got to hit fairways like and and obviously the the overriding theme of of kind of elite men's golf is that control doesn't matter as much anymore. So that's something I, I want to see play out. And that has obviously been significantly magnified since 2014, the last time they hosted this idea of like bobbing it up there. And I think a lot of that has to do with the rough. Um, I think the open has been able to withstand that because of weather um, conditioning. So like firmer conditions and very unpredictable rough. Um, you know, you can get really lucky in the in the wispy stuff, but you also can get really screwed. And I think with this week, it, it may be being a little bit softer. That's that is um, something I'm very interested in watching. Yeah. Yep. There there are two. There are a couple things here. Wind, obviously, which we'll see what happens. It seems like it'll be windy. It's not as firm. That's another thing they said about 17. Like if it's not windy, it's just like, you know. Guys are going to hit it up there and make two. Um, so there's that element. When the internal OB is getting a lot of coverage, it is. It's. What it's, do you think about internal you know, OB? Do you do you have an opinion like the Beatles? I like it, especially where there's where there's a uh, there's a historical reason and precedence for it. It's not like they're just you know PGA Tour setup crew willy nilly uh, going out there and painting white line, putting stakes in the ground like. There's a reason for it. They didn't have, it's like a property uh, issue way back when. And so they made these walls and it, w- it wasn't necessarily their property. I think it's fine. It's like what, if it was a dense forest or a lake or like an impenetrable gorse bush, like what's, what's the difference? I kind of like it putting, putting this in their minds, especially at, uh, I guess it's three and 18 where it's most approximate. Um, I think it's fine. Do you have an issue with it, especially because of the historical uh, kind of reason for it? Yeah, I listen. I I love I love it for here. Um, this is kind of like the same yeah. thing that I said about like the new seventeenth. Like what I what I don't really love about the new seventeenth is that's not what the identity of the golf course is, right? Um, right. So what I like about the the internal OB was that. The way this golf course like started was that they had like basically like a lease of land from the farmer or whatever, the landowner um, of the original plot. And it wasn't just like a square plot like they had, you know, they had mapped out where they wanted their golf and then out of bounds was like where they didn't have rights to the land. So it's pretty cool that that's like the way they just kept those lines because out of bounds is, is a it's. It's an amazing, amazing hazard. Like, but I, yeah. I do not condone 
I, I, you know, like just like the 17th, just like I don't want every golf course to like manufacture a finish because TPC Sawgrass has a great one. Just because of that, like I don't want every golf, every finish to be like TPC Sawgrass because nobody's going to do it as well. And then it'll get less special when everybody does it the same way, right? Um, yep. You know, this internal OB is an awesome little quirk about this golf course, right? If if St. Andrews started to do it um, on the shared fairway holes, you know, where where it would completely <laughs> ruin the whole um, nature yeah. of St. Andrews, which is shared fairways, choose your own adventure type golf, right? Right. So like right. it all, right. it, it works for this place because that's the identity of it, right? Yeah, and that fo- photo that went kind of viral, I think, lacked a little bit of context with the line, and it just uh, it wasn't necessarily. I don't think in like a go zone or a landing area on eighteen, but it does get close. I mean, there's you don't have to go that close, but it, it does if you want to. You want to really tug the right side. Uh, now it's just all instead of a farmer or whatever, it's hospitality and yeah. you know, NBC network executives and people like that kind of hanging out, milling around in there. Um, Last defense, which I've just been laser focused in, is your pot bunkers. There are 84 of them. Not the last, but another significant defense. Like, you talk about true hazard. True hazard. Like, if you go in one, a fairway one, you are not getting home. That's it. You know, we talk about rough and trying to make it so thick and juicy and tight and narrow that you can't, you really penalize, you can't get home if you miss the fairway or you go to it. Like this has that effect. You cannot. And we've heard everybody talk about it. Jordan Speed having to practice your shots higher than what they're used to. Um, there's apparently some consternation, agitation about the maintenance of them. A, we'll get to the raking, but B, more as important, they've been like flattened out in the bottom. So apparently they're not bold. And so the balls aren't like running to the middle of the bunkers. And there's a fair amount of consternation about that. Faxon was talking about that. Scotty Scheffler called it out today in his press conference saying like, well, like the better shot that's technically closer like to the green, it just rolls off into the bunker is going to stay against the front face. Whereas the worst shot that like missed the target by Borg comes into the middle of the bunker, like, He's, they're saying they're too flat. No, think balls aren't running to the middle of these bunkers enough. Um, maybe maybe Scotty maybe rake. Scotty should aim for the middle of the bunker. <laughs> he's so so I mean, is, uh, if he's so worried about where in the bunker it's going to go, just avoid the avoid the, either avoid the bunker or aim for the middle of the bunker. His point, his point is understood. I don't know if it's empathized with. I get what he's saying. There, I completely but, you know, understand what he's saying, but yeah, like the, yeah, it's a hazard, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Again, like if you right. if you made those pot bunkers all little water hazards, like nobody'd be like, "Hey, it just barely yeah. rolled into the water." Right. <laughs> okay. As opposed to the guy, yeah. Like, Good. Uh, so I think that's great. I think that's unique. They're flatter. They're not all going to run into the center. And there seems to be a little bit of a grumbling, low level grumbling right now. And then the rakes creating these a little bit of furrows. You know, Michael Kim. Yeah. These little mini troughs or furrows you know, where the ball sits down in them. You know, they were talking about that on the TV, a little, little complaints about that. So we'll see. There's 84 of them. True real hazards. Fairway. You go in a fairway one. You are not getting home. You can advance it. 
100 yards, it seems like, max from everything what we're, what we're hearing. Who knows? Maybe you get a good lie. And <laughs> you hit it so bad, you get a great lie. You can hit it 300 yards out of the bunker, according to the chef. But uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that as, as, as an element of defense. Um, all right, go yeah, ahead. Anything I, else I mean, on the course? The bunker, avoid, bunker avoidance is going to be a big thing today. Or this week, um, this week. and uh, yeah. and and you know, it's sometimes you get a bad bounce and it goes in the bunker. That's the beauty of Lynx golf is it's it's wildly unpredictable, and and especially if we get some heavy some heavier wind like they're kind of expecting, uh, it becomes really hard to avoid bunkers sometimes. Um, so, and we don't get those unpredictable bounces more towards like. 10 11 like start really starts to get linksy there mm-hmm. where, where they, they can start shooting off different hummocks or you know uh humps all right that does it i think for our royal liverpool we'll obviously talk much more about the course the conditioning specific holes as the the players get out there but for now while they're out there with the evolving elements i would suggest they go to bedratty.com and or zero restriction.com you could bow to both Friends of the program, use the promo code SGS30. That'll get you 30% off your purchase. If it starts pissing down, as it looks like it will at various times during the next four days, uh, Saturday, looking to be especially uh, maybe tenuous, uh, you go to Zero Restriction. They are the leaders in windproof, waterproof. Uh, They're also fashionable. I'd say sometimes this waterproof stuff. It's a little ridiculous. It's a little garish. It's just not function. It's just not form fitting enough. It looks ridiculous. Uh, Zero Restriction has been doing this forever. Uh, they have a variety of styles out right now, whether it's for water or wind. Uh, I like some of these jackets they got going. This like red, red gate jacket, I think it was called. I'm, I'm butchering the name, but it was a new one I hadn't seen. Uh, Redford, Redford, Robert Redford jacket. I don't know if it's they got a bunch of new colors too. Pocket. They've been uh, yeah, they've been hitting really the good. colorways this year. So you know they've been in the shop. They've been in the lab. Yeah. So, uh, but if it's not pissing down, you could also go to bedratty.com. I'm wearing their standard Pima cotton polo, the softest, best, most comfortable polos in the game. It's their original article. Hey, you know, it's a ten year anniversary, and this is what the brand grew out of. Speaking of. Uh, I got a I got a package in the mail, a little uh, a little gift from a friend of the program sent sent it across the country for me. Sent me a Dratty polo. I'm pretty excited. It's another print polo. I think he wants to keep me fashionable. You know, wants to keep, boy. so it's another print print uh, polo. You know, they got all kinds of stuff on. Uh, so it was. Uh, I I appreciate the uh, the kind gift. It was completely unnecessary, but. I got another uh, another dratty print. Maybe I'll wear it this week on one of these recordings. Yeah, so they have a variety of style from, you know, your standard kind of classic to, uh, I don't know, print. Andy frolicking around in his prints out there. People yelling at him at LACC. Go to bedratty.com. Use the promo code SGS30. Uh, support them. They've supported us really since the start of this podcast. Help us, you know, get to new heights. So, all right. Let's continue. Have we gotten to on. new heights we... or have we just gone lower? I was watching some, I don't know. I was on YouTube trying to find Liverpool stuff and that old, remember that like greatest hits video? Some, I think it was outside the cut made of 2019. I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and they opened it. 
We are, we are, I don't know that we've evolved much, quite honestly. I'll just say that. That's out there on YouTube. So New Heights maybe is it's kind of extending the the uh, the analogy. All right. Where do you want to go next? Do you want to talk about quotes? Do you want to do favorite You know what? Times? I was kind of disappointed in the tea times. How so? What do you mean disappointed? Just like I, I just went through them. I usually love. I usually cackle when I go through tea times, and this time I just kind of went through them and was like, ah, whatever. You know, my favorite. You want my favorite tea time? Yes. What's your favorite tea time? Just doing Patrick Reed dirty. Oh, I saw. That. I put that down first. Connor, Patrick Reed, Connor Syme, and uh, Jose Luis Ballester Barrio. Just a fitting, fitting a European am. Fitting pairing for a former Masters champ and Ryder Cup hero. Just buried. Bare, yeah, like early. One of the first tea early, times out yes. on Thursday. Just a terrible yeah. tea time for P. Reed. What do you? Do you think that was deliberate? Do you think yes, they were like, we're going to bury you? We've had enough here nonsense. Well, I'll throw this one as a part and parcel with that. Phil Mickelson, <laughs> former champion, still an icon of the game, even though top, five, top, top five at, uh, at the Masters this year. Masters. Mickelson, you know, won a decade ago, 10-year anniversary, is with Nick Taylor and Adam Shank. <laughs> He wouldn't catch that tea time on the PGA Tour. He wouldn't catch that at the Rocket Mortgage. He wouldn't catch that. At, like, he would find something. I this is. I really does sound like I'm disrespecting Shank and Taylor quite a bit there. I really don't mean to do that. It's insane. We're talking about Phil Mickelson at a major. <laughs> he would not catch that kind of tea time on a PGA Tour event if he were still playing there. Okay, uh, I got another I, one for you. Feels deliberate with Reed. Feels deliberate. Feel, Go ahead. Feels like a little bit of Ryder Cup meddling here. ZJ is okay. paired with Matt Wallace, English Matt Wallace, and David Micheluzzi from, from Australia. There's going to be no scouting in that pairing. No no Ryder Cup scouting. And then yeah. they also... they. They took they took away any Hawkeyes football conversation that Zatch might have from him. There are Zatch is only going to be talking with his caddy. That's fine. He doesn't have big. Uh, what's the What's the guy who did the eagle the the birdie dance? Damon Damon uh, uh, Damon, Damon Green? No, Damon uh, Damon Green sounds right. Damon Green sounds. <laughs> what's right. he doing these days? I just, is he done? I don't know. Maybe he'll reemerge. I can see him on. The, maybe he's on the Champions Tour because he he could drive the cart or something. <laughs> can I just say to your point about tee times? Like, look, the Open is the world's major, and not to sound myopic, there's just gonna. We're American golf fans. We love Lynx Golf. It's probably my favorite major of the year. But it's the world's major, and they've got these qualifying series guys that come in from hither and yon. <laughs> and there are entire blocks, I dare say entire hour or so of tea times with guys where you are just like, what? Who? Like, who? They, they won't see a TV camera for four days or two days or whatever it may be. 
I want to go in consecutive. Dan Bradbury won on the Sunshine Tour. Dan what, Bradbury. Is he the author? Oliver... Who's the author of Fahrenheit 451? What was that guy's name? Something Bradbury, right? Really? Yeah. Um, Ray Bradbury. That's right. Fahrenheit 451. So this is Got into the game. <laughs> We got Kevin Durant's kid, Ray Bradbury. So Bradbury, <laughs> Oliver Farr, Hayden Barron, Marcel Seam. We're going consecutive. I, I you're had, just on the first I had you're Marcel Seam down here. It's possibly the worst. This is this is my my worst tea time. Marcel Seam, Martin Rower, and Tiger Christensen, the amateur, named after <laughs> Tiger Woods. After that, we have Lee Hodges, Antoine Rosner, and Dick Bland. Yannick Paul, Sammy Valimaki, Lori Cantor. I'm talking about like an entire hour. If you're on the first tee, you're taking a nap. <laughs> and I mean nothing against any of these people. I, but maybe this is a British or a uh, world golf fan would be more into Hayden Barron. <laughs> I mean, I could go on the front. But I'm sorry. It just got gets slow in there. So that's all. Your worst is seem I was gonna go with the Bradbury Farr and Hayden Barron one. Well, I so. I I respect Ray Bradbury's kid. <laughs> Too much to, to do that to him. <laughs> uh what else you got for tea times? Anything else? Um I did, to? you know, I will say that they, they did the there's no Iceland players in the field to make Gunnar Stahl feel truly comfortable. Okay. But they they got. I feel like uh, Finland would be the would be the closest replacement for you know. There's nobody from Greenland or Iceland, so I like Finland. Kale Samuja playing with Gunnar Stahl, also known as Gunnar Weeby, and then they put <laughs> put Shub Sharma in there from India. So how Shub Sharma? How is he in the field? <laughs> Sharma Mania was like five years ago. <laughs> How old is he? Is he still like 24? He's young, I'm sure. I'm sure he's young. Sure he's young. Um, I thought it was interesting. They did like these these SEC kind of Sea Island groups where they, I was shocked 96. to see this. So he's 27. 26 yeah. right now. He turns 27 this week. It's his birthday this week. Go. Congrats to Shub Sharma. Happy birthday to Shub Sharma. Yeah. Another one I throw in there. I mean, this is what this makes it to ESPN Plus for the uh, he Sanders. He hasn't played Arms a major Sanders. since 2019. Yeah. How, <laughs> what he did the qualifying series, I assume. Some sort of like Indian Indian tour event or Asian tour event. Something like that, I assume, is how he got in. This makes ESPN Plus at the Sanderson Farms. Stu Sink, Trey Mullinax, JT Poston. Like they they just put all the kind of SEC and, and Southern boys, Georgia boys behind same right behind him is Chris Kirk, Sepp Straka, and Sam Burns. How about Gary Woodland, Adrian Otagway, and Alexander Bjork? The Vol man with uh, Woodland. There was this is a good segue. Reports from the ground. Now, this could be a complete reach. I want to put this as the unsubstantiated reach. We had reports from the ground who was observing the practice round of Woodland, DJ, and Brooksy today. As they're walking up, I forget what hole, Brooks, or I'm sorry, Woodland, DJ, all the caddies start cracking up and laughing. And meanwhile, Brooks is back on the tee and he's on the phone. And Woodland shouts back, Karma's a bitch. 
at Brooksy. And the, the informant tells us as he was observing this, he got the push notification that tea times had been released. Now, we may be reaching here. We don't know what he was referring to when he said Karma's a bitch. But in that release push notification, you would have seen that Brooks Kapka is with the Slowpoke Crusaders, Patrick Cantlay, and Hideki Matsuyama, which I love. I mean, that's content gods conspiring to get, I mean, to give us something to observe. That's good stuff. Cantlay, you know, clearly doesn't care. Brooks straight up called him out at the Masters. So that is a great tee time of which I will be observing closely. I wouldn't say Hideki's fast. Would you? Is that, no, is that he's fa- is not that, fast. I don't know. He's a, he's, he, so that's a good tee time. He might be a fast turtle. But, but I think he's a turtle. In in the yeah. in the lead up to one of these uh, majors, I had a conversation with a Cantley or with a caddy, um, who who made reference to the prep and how he might have extra time to prep um, during the round because they were playing with Cantley. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> a lot of bathroom breaks coming out too for for uh, Brooksy as well uh extra time to practice that's pretty extra time to prep prep sorry prep um another one i really like is shane lowry ricky fowler and bobby mack good good tea time to watch entertainment value is high there um i like i I like this one i like thagala grumpy griot and dj saw that it's just an eclectic that's a pairing different age uh groups or you know just got all kinds of stuff i loved the gala last year i hope he has another run in um for this open i i wonder if he's staying in some student housing this week he's upgraded (laughs) liverpool um uh Another like a flushers one is Scheffler is obviously with Adam Scott, Tommy Fleetwood. He's a, you know been a Lynx player until Sunday supposedly. Um, I got a question. What else, you know what do you think? What? what do you think they're talking about in this group? Brian Harmon, Thurston Lawrence, and Tommy Dietrich. This is the gamut. So Dietrich's <laughs> Belgian, sort of lanky, tall and lanky, tallish, six two, lanky. I, I did research on this one. <laughs> Thurston is straight up husky boy. <laughs> he's got a he's got a paunch. It's coming over the belt line, and then you've got Mini Brian Harmon. It's a great. It runs the whole gamut of the male the male body. Honestly, so, I don't know what they're talking about. Outside of the couple big groups, it honestly feels like the the RNA just did like complete like randomizer with the tee times. Which I can what actually appreciate if that's well. This is this is what led me. This English is what I was going to lead into. All right, go ahead. John Daly, guy, Taylor Moore, and Danny Willett. So Moore and Daly are clearly going to talk about Sam Pittman and the tw- prospects of the twenty twenty three Razorbacks. Like they're going to be two peas in a pod on that one. But like they're like Daly's going to shoot an eighty eight. And Danny Willis just—he's just gonna be there. He's just with the two Razorbacks. Just, just so random. He got kind of jammed on that. 
Uh, any others? The Tom Zone, Tom Kim and Tom Hoagie together was kind of nice. I'm, I like that touch. I mean, along with Abraham it, answer. And since we are doing a preview podcast and we do care about players that could win, you you hit the Brooks, Brooksy one. Oh, I had yeah, one other amusing was- one. We got the Ryder yeah. Cup Bubble Boys. Oh, who would that be? Give me, give me that. Seamus Power, Pot, Potty Harrington, and Talor Gooch. What if Talor finishes like third this week? Is he on? Is he on the team? I don't. I don't think he is. <laughs> I think he could. I. I think if he kind of if he wins, what if he wins? Does he have to I mean, win? If he wins. It, I, I think he's got to get on points. I do. <laughs> I think there's no room for Talor at the end. I'm not saying he's, he's got a captain. good chance to win, but like, if he wins and he I, has three live tour wins, or if he finishes third and he has three live tour wins, he's got a good case. He's got a case. I just don't think that the sort of circumstances of everything that's happened, everything he's said, would permit it. I don't think he has enough guys in the room riding for him in the same way they might for a Brooks or a DJ or whoever else. Um, so I thought uh, I, other marquee. Well, a fascinating, not like premio, primo, primo marquee, but it's definitely a marquee pairing. A fascinating one. I just think like you got three guys at like different inflection points in their career. Uh, Kyle Morikawa, Max Homa uh-huh. and Tyrrell Hatton. I think Tyrrell Hatton is honestly maybe playing the best golf of his life. Playing great. He's been yep. phenomenal the last six months, really this, this entire yep. year. He's been great. And um, I would imagine that this is a golf course that kind of fits his, his game. Um, I think he's like a, a sneaky little sleeper um, pick. Is he a sleeper? I don't, I'm just laughing that you said little. Uh, <laughs> literally. <or figure>. Um, <laughs> um, then Max Homa hasn't hasn't cracked an egg at a major. Yeah. Um, I right. think 13th last, last year at the Open was his best finish in a major. And obviously, like, not playing great golf right now coming in. But that can all change quickly. And then you got Colin Morikawa, who I don't know how to feel about him. You wouldn't be surprised. I mean, we were talking about like how many majors this guy could get two years ago at this tournament. Right. After he had two in his first, I think, eight starts, six starts. And now here we are a couple years later. And it's like, what what's going on? He hasn't won yeah. since that St. George's, right? I think he won one other time. I think he's got, I think he snuck a win. He won a Congaree, I think, right? I don't think he's won since Royal St. George. I think he won the um, CJ Cup. No, no, I don't think he's won in almost in two years now. He's had a played, I mean, he leads the tour in like strokes gained approach. Yeah, like he has, hasn't. A mess. Um, marquee groups we should actually throw out there Rory, Rahm, and Rose. That'll be at 10 a.m. Eastern time on Thursday. Can't like Kepka Hideki, we noted. Cam Smith, Xander, defending champ Cam Smith is with Xander and Wyndham Clark. Um, Spieth is with Fitzy and Day. Um, I think that's most of them. Scheffler, I mentioned. So Hovland, Finau, and JT 
Um, that's an interesting one with Finau and JT maybe needing some Ryder Cup oomph behind them as well. So uh, some good groups, some uh, not so good groups as usual. But uh, hey, what is a good, good, good routine, a good setup? Every morning. I would. I, I know what I'm going to be doing. The first thing I wake up, no matter what time I wake up, um, this uh, this week, and that's going to be running, running to the kitchen, cracking open some AG one, getting some water going, mixing it up, shaking it up, and getting my day off to a healthy start. You know, I, it's packed with tons of great nutrients and uh, different things that just you know promote better health. Better mental health, gut better health, gut health, better, better you know, all the energy. Yeah, all yeah. around health. A little mental. And this is something clarity. This is something that's been a big, big part of my uh my year this year is uh is AG one. And I uh I honestly I, I I feel better than I felt a year ago. Of course a year ago I was stuffing my, you know, face with uh fish and chips and ribs from Ziggy's. <laughs> but I can I can definitely say that I'm far more healthy. Right now, and a, a big part of that is just getting into a healthy routine with AG1 uh, every morning. Yep, I, I kind of, I've really gotten, I, I kind of, I got to confess, I got a little lost here this summer with some travel. I, did, I didn't have my travel packs with me. I've really jumped back into it in the last like four or five days back home. Had it this morning, a um, little travel pack, rip it open. It's just the first thing. I haven't had coffee today. I've had what? no coffee. Yeah, I had a like a hydration deal, and I had my AG one this morning. I, I, I'm trying to like healthy guess, boy conserve maybe for what how much coffee I may have to have later in the week to watch this. But this is my morning routine. If you want to try it, if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG one and get a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free AG one travel packs with your first purchase when you go to drinkag1.com slash shotgun. Note the URL there. Drinkag1.com slash shotgun. You get one year supply of vitamin D, five free travel packs. Um, They've been a big sport of ours this year. We'll continue to be. So uh, give it a try at drinkag1.com slash shotgun. All right, moving on. We've done tea times. Where do you want to go next? Anything that's popped to you in some sort of the press conferences, the roulette, uh, We've, we've noted some of the boring ones and some of the comments on 17 and things like that. But has anything jumped off the page to you? I, I, I thought Scheffler and Bunkers was particularly amusing. Rob today, I would say, was sort of the show pony, the key, the feature, featured press conference, maybe Brooksy too a little bit. But uh, hasn't been that eventful in the press room, if we do say. Nothing like last year with no. Tiger having to come out against Liv and stuff like that. No. I th- I think it's uh you know all, all these players uh get to answer these questions with like I know as much as you know um yeah, which which right. leads to just non answers they probably wish they could answer that 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 way to every question they're asked um I did enjoy uh Cam Smith talking about the trophy um I thought that was yeah, pretty good cool. um he talked about you know what he like the best thing he did with the with the claret jug probably the funnest thing i did was take it back to my home club in brisbane and it was actually per, uh time perfectly they had their presentation night where they present the club champion with the trophy and all the different events that they uh they had throughout the year it was one of the first nights i got back to australia so i brought the claret jug there 
had all the members there, and yeah, had a ripping night for a little country club outside Brisbane to have the Claire Jug in it, I think is a pretty cool moment. And I think like, I just think about that, like that's a, that's, that'd be neat, you know? You, you, ra- yeah. you rain on the club champions parade a little bit. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it ties into a little bit to like McIntyre trying to win his home open last week. You know, some of the, these guys have accomplished everything, but they're still like, this connection to the lives they live now and you know, the lives they lived growing up and trying to bring those together and celebrate them is always sort of the most special kind of moments they can have. Um, yeah, that was, I thought it was good that he let on. He got emotional. Yeah. Kim seems like a pretty even keel kind of not, you know, chiller. And he said he got emotional. He didn't expect it. Giving the Claret jug back. Um, Rom, was interesting today. He got philosophical about 17. He's like, it's fair because it's unfair for everyone. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Gave a pretty, uh, I would say, a pretty un, uh, unqualified defense of Jay Monahan in a way that, you know, few players have done since the CNBC announcement. Now, you know, Rom's already on the record saying he felt betrayed by the leadership and the Congress used that on a big quote board last week. I forgot about, um, but it was a pretty vociferous defense of Jay Monahan and the leadership and also a reiteration of the PGA tour and supporting the PGA tour. When a lot of constant, I don't know where the rumors come from, but they always were swirling about Rom because he plays with Phil. I don't know what it is, or he refused to sort of condemn or poke the guys who did leave, but he gave a pretty solid defense of also of the PGA tour as well as well. Here's what he said about Monahan. My opinion of him. There's obviously big changes for all of us. First, I would like to say I did get a text from him and I haven't been able to speak to him. Uh, you know, he hopes he's well, I would, I wouldn't say my opinions changed. Jay behaved has behaved so professionally and so well with me and my family. I've seen him to stop to talk to my dad, my mom in a few tournaments. He's a really good man. That's all I can say. Now, as it comes to what he's been doing for us in the PGA tour, I think he's done a fantastic job. I would say it was unexpected what happened. I think with the management of the PGA Tour, they took the turn they took without us knowing was very unexpected. But I still think he's been doing a great job. And right now, after that happened, I think it's only fair to give them the right time to work things out. I still think they have the best interests of the players at heart. All we have right now is a framework agreement. Uh, you know, that's kind of your punt. Uh, we don't really have anything right now to be able to say or judge what they've done. That's all I can say. Um he says all this time to work this agreement to prove that that was the right decision. Uh, but you know, he has, uh, he has not lost his trust. He said, no, as of right now, he's not lost his trust. It's kind of an approving ground stage. Um, I'd say from maybe the second or third outside of tiger and Roy, like he's the guy, uh, speed, Scheffler, others, but, not Spieth, huh? I thought it was unexpected. I feel like Spieth hasn't been asked about this that much, right? Yeah. He also, like, he I, I was thinking about this the other day. He hasn't been asked about rollback at all either. That's interesting. It's because yeah, he's never yeah, up he, there. He kind of is <laughs> I had heard that Speeth was kind of tussling a little bit with Cantlay or pushing back on some of the Cantlay movements, but I don't, yeah, he's never asked about that. Rom, in addition, I just want to continue. So that's a very diametrically different Mm -hmm. opinion than Cantlay. Yes. From what we heard. Pretty, 
Then they asked, should you be compensated? So I understand the PGA Tour wanting to do something for those players who helped and stayed on the PGA Tour. But at the same time, I'll be the first one to say I wasn't forced into anything. It was my choice to stay. Do I think they absolutely should be and there must be compensation? No. I just stay because I think it's best choice for myself and for the golf I want to play. Now, with that said, if they want to do it, I'm not going to say no. We all had a chance to go to live and take the money, and we chose to stay at the PGA Tour for whatever reason we chose. As I've said before, I already make an amazing living doing what I do. I'm extremely thankful, and that all that all happened because of the platform the PGA Tour provided for me. As far as I'm concerned, they've done enough for me, and their focus should be on improving the PGA Tour and the game of golf for future generations. Pretty crazy. Tell that to Chess and, Handley, Chess and Hadley. you got John Rahm here. <laughs> who's turned down hundreds who of knows millions. whatever 400 million or something uh, you got chess and hadley at the canadian like i want my piece i i deserve to be compensated it's an interesting very in- emotionally intelligent mature maybe not the most businessly uh, business economic savvy response but an admirable one very so. very admirable i think uh i think i mean this is this is a leadership type thing right he understands, I think, that that this this deal needs to happen for the PGA Tour, and a lot of it is out of its out of his control. But I think he understands that this is the best case scenario for the PGA Tour, right? And I think that that is um, probably fueling some of this. But like, what a what a you know, I I think a pretty selfless stance um, here. Yep. Yep. Um, it, it was, yeah, it's, it's very, I, I didn't expect him to go that, that staunch before. And I think it was a reiteration of why he stayed. He's like, look, I stayed because this was the best place to play golf. Like this is where I, I want to chase legacy. So it was, it was an interesting attack to take. He also had to roll back because the USGA is like, it's happening. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I think or not. It's happening. But if it can be at the forefront of a big company like Callaway who can get ahead of it and that could be invested in a little bit earlier, that could be great. I don't know but what that means exactly. But he says it's happening no matter what he thinks. I still got an equity stake. Big Callaway deal for John Rahm. An equity stake in like Top Golf or something. Um, any other quotes that jumped out to you from the press room? That, that was the big one, I thought. Yeah, I thought that was the big one. Obviously, a bunch of guys didn't that didn't have press conferences, and a lot of guys that did didn't say much of note. And uh, and then you know, there's some amusing questions uh, in there. I wanted. Uh, I'm gonna run down. I'm gonna run down a few names. You tell me, contend or if they're gonna contend, if they are uh, gonna be, you know, just a, you know. Co- make the cut and be irrelevant or, or they're going to miss the cut and throw okay. a few names at you contend, make the cut and be irrelevant or miss the cut. Are those my yeah. two options? Uh-huh. Is that what you said? Okay. All right. Phil, All right. Phil Mickelson. Contend. Wow. Let's go. <laughs> Do I need to elaborate? Can I just no. say, yeah, if you wanted to elaborate predictions, I, I think he's, I think he's motivated. I'm worried. If he clearly plays well at the open, even at old age, um, still hits it far. I'm worried about the sunglasses in the rain. <laughs> I know. What the hell? <laughs> Looks like a lunatic. <laughs> it's gray as 
can be. If it starts raining, it's going to be on the lenses. You don't want <laughs> you don't want lenses in the rain. Does he got to go to one of the big bucket hats or something to protect the lenses? I don't know. Justin, I think he's going to contest. Justin Thomas. Make cut irrelevant. He's not playing well. I, it's just not. Um, feel free to weigh in with your thoughts too on any of these. I'll I'll say. Go ahead. I, I'm gonna say miscut for both of them. Um, okay. Kyle Morikawa. He's so out of sorts. Um, make cut irrelevant. I think he's gonna contend. Played well at Rocket Mortgage. I think. Uh, I think this golf course, if it's if it's about if it ends up being about control, I think this is a, then it's a very the thing I do worry about is a little bit the That's elements. Good point. Um, That's a good point. I mean, what the underlying metric? He still leads the tour. I don't know yeah. if he leads. If he's not one, he's now two. He has been one up until like end of June. It's it's all there. He's not still hitting it well. Okay, Keegan Bradley. Contend. Contend. Playing his playing well. Although you worry about his new little thin body in the wind getting blown around all <laughs> over the place. Doesn't have enough doesn't have enough anchor on him. I'll say but content. I'll say he's gonna he's gonna be irrelevant. Make the cut irrelevant. <laughs> all right. All right. Um let's go with uh Ricky Fowler. Um you got lots of contenders already. I know the entire, I, the entire the field band, is contending. Wagon too far. Well, how do we define contend? Top twenty. Um, I'll say Ricky will make the cut, but be irrelevant. I'm going to say contend. I don't think I've that. said contend okay. yet. Um, all right, worried about that. Or I said contend about Morikawa. Um, all right, let's go with uh, Jordan Spieth. Just missed the cut in Scotland. Um, I'd like to say contend. Just get everything about this championship brings everything that he's good at. You know, brings out everything that he's good at and the way his brain works at golf. I predict a, a tea time I won't be waking up for on the weekend. <laughs> All right, there we go. Um, let's do Cam Smith. Can I just keep saying contend? Yeah, for you can say contend about everybody. I think he might win. Me too. I think Cam Smith might win. Contend. I got him as a contender. Patrick Cantlay. <laughs> miscut. <laughs> I got to throw a miscut out there. Was he fourth in the world? I mean, he finally got a top ten in an open last year. Last year at St Andrews, just got beat up at Scott, Scottish Open. Um, where it was windy, played well at the Scottish last year. Uh, Remember the big four? I don't have a lot of confidence. Wait, the Ricky one? Yeah, I was, I was just thinking Steve about and... this year and like how like defined the elite players have been this year. Yeah, sure. Like when right. when the big four existed, like DJ was on the on the outs, right? It wasn't like a hard line. Yeah. Like when you look at the OWGR and let's just take like the live players out of this for the sakes of the argument. But when you take the, when you take the three guys that played the best golf on the PGA tour this year, uh, Rory, Scotty and Rom, 
and you draw the line and then you look at number four being Patrick Cantley. You're like, what? Hasn't won. This is like a, a chasm size <laughs> like difference here. Like he might be fourth <laughs> in the rankings, but for all intents and purposes, that's like 20th and and separation from the others. I don't know what to do with him. Like I, I can see him all like he could win this week. Yeah. But he never is even relevant. At majors. At majors. What do you have for him? I'll just say in the speed zone. Okay. Tea time I won't wake up for. All right. Um John Rom. Any are we sneaky worried about John Rahm at all? No, not necessarily, but I'll say make cut irrelevant. Be irrelevant. I don't think I'm sneaky worried. He's too good to he's taken what, three weeks off or something? Yeah. Guy's got a, a ball buster of a fall coming, too. Like let's not like he does the Spanish events, he's got a Ryder Cup, he, like he's got FedEx Cup playoffs coming. So yeah. I think I think he content. Okay. Uh Rory. Contends. That's your yeah. Contends. You well. So so you yeah. I mean, I think the dream scenario is you get Rob, Rory, and and Scotty all contending. Um, but you know the likelihood of all three contending is unlikely, right? What about Rory versus Phil? I think that's the dream scenario. Phil like sneaks his way in. Ricky or Ricky and like you'd have some real juice for the weekend. So yeah, that is. Um, Rob is that's the heavyweight battle you want with Scotty. Scotty, I mean Scotty's automatically contending, right? Yeah. What did you think of Scotty's quotes about his putting? Like it's not that bad. It's just every time I'm over a 12 footer, the announcer's going to say, "Well, this is the part of the uh, game he needs to work on." And then when I don't make a 12 footer, which happens, like the make percentage, they say, "Oh, well, he's got to work on that." So it feels like every time you miss a putt, it's indicative or evidence of you struggling. I think this is like one of the things that plagues when it, this is the same thing with the Adam Scott Sergio stuff, right? When you hit it exceptionally great, you have like the most make miss putts, right? Where there's like this hard line of like, if you yeah. make it, it's not like special. And if you miss it, it's like, how did he miss? How is he missing all these? But they're like, in reality, they're like 70% miss rate putts, right? Where you have like a, right. a small, and that's like the, I think that's the tough thing about, and I think I like Scotty's mindset about it because yeah. it, you, you're not going to make all of them, right? <laughs> like you're not going to, you feel like you should make all of those putts, but you're not. And it's just, it's like, it's kind of the curse that comes with hitting it extraordinarily great is that you, you know, like think about like the flusher of all flushers. Have you ever thought like outside of tiger, like, Oh, great putter. No. Tiger's the one that put it all together. Yeah. Like there, yeah. think about it. Like the recent ones, right? Callum Morikawa, we don't think of as a great putter. Will Zalatoris, we don't think of as a great putter. Adam Scott, we don't think of as a great putter. Even though statistically Adam Scott's had some great putting years, you still are like, oh, that putter's not, you know, Sergio Garcia, not a great putter. Nobody ever considers Rory a great, great putter, right? You know, like 
you go down the list and it's like, think about John Rahm last year. What did he struggle with? Putting. He hits a ball great. Like this is this is a thing that happens. Is like you just have like you have so many opportunities that it's hard to look it you know, visually it never looks like you're a great putter, even if you are putting great. And I think to Scheffler's point, it only takes like two weeks in a row for the narrative to really sink in. Like, especially when you are striping it, I think Memorial is probably what he was referring to where he was in fact, not good. He was last in the field and putting and then it happened. He's like, I had chances to win. So you're in contention, you're on TV and like his statistical his putting stats, like are often not good. Are they like disastrous? No, but I get how he would be frustrated that, that, the narrative would seem like he cannot make a putt or he is a total disaster. But again, it's a weak point of a very, 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 very excellent game right now. So, um, anything else on contender made cut irrelevant? That's, I mean, stuff. we could just yeah. keep going down this, but I'm not going to hockey shirt. Um, things like that. I didn't even do any of the fun ones. Do you think Ben Bradbury or whatever his name is, is going to contend? <laughs> Did you just try to call him Bren Bradley, the former editor of the Washington? Ben Bradbury. Uh, Dan Brad Dan Bradbury. Ray Bradbury's uh, good. Somehow become a prominent subject of our preview podcast. Uh I expect, you know what? I'm gonna say Dan Bradbury contends now at this point. I think he has to based on the discussion here. Uh I look for Dan Bradbury. You know, technically technically. Everybody, everybody contends at one point because they are <laughs> they tee it up. And they contend. Look at this! That's look at fair. this form for Dan Bradbury coming in. You you want to hear it? I saw he was playing North Barrick last week. Like everybody, <laughs> what else. do you follow him on yeah, Instagram? <laughs> Oh, well, they, if I must confess, I follow North Barrick and they put it up there amidst like the JT. I was like, who is this guy? And so I didn't know. I was like, is this just a guy well, Ray, from North Barrick? It's Ray Bradbury's kid. Is it a member? Is it, Who's Dan Bradbury? He was a pro that I was supposed to know. Sorry. God, the Bradbury hive is going to hate us. All right. I'm going to start it. At the Thailand Classic. Thailand Classic MC SDC Championship. <laughs> MC. Johnson Workwear Open. These are all like DP World Tour <laughs> events, just by the way, that I'm listing off. Challenge. They got to be challenged. No, it says event. DP World no? Tour Afrasia okay. Tour. Miscut. Then he really kind of hit his stride. This is what got him into this tournament. DS Automobiles Italian Open, T32, Sudal Open, T10, KLM Open, T29, Porsche uh, European Open Withdrawal, BMW, the Auto Swing, T43, (laughs) (laughs) Betfred British Masters, T8. I mean, nobody's played that. So that that had to get them in, right? I think I honestly I'm looking at or up did right he open now. qualify? I think, I think he got in last November at the Joburg Open. No, he won the Joburg Open. You know how the qualifying series hits on some of those Sunshine yeah. Tour events the preceding year. 
I think that's got to be it. I'm trying to look it up right now, but I, I would say that's probably it. And then he had a T so area about- 75th edition at Genesis. So great form coming in. What was it? 75th at yeah. Genesis? Oh, the Scottish Open. So. Uh, he went to Florida State, Dan Brad. Wow. Yeah, he got in via the Joburg Open. He played at Florida State? Last year. Apparently, yeah. Yeah. All right. Went to Florida State via Lincoln Memorial University. So it doesn't look like he was an elite recruit. Went there, did well, then went to Florida State. Same way the Candyman went. Candyman was some, some like Georgia Southwestern or something. Um, okay. Anything else? You got picks. Picks. Who you should pick? One and done. I'm gonna take Brooks. I'm gonna take Brooks Kepka. Um, he's Major Brooks is back. I think he's as. Uh, actually, you know what? Screw it. I'm taking Rory. Wow. I had to find. I think I took Brooks for LA, which yeah. is I was trying to find who I've taken. So I'm gonna take Rory. Wow. Uh, for this week, yeah, yep. Haven't used him. I'm uh, <clears throat> I'm taking Cam in my one and done. Oh shit! I have used Rory. Never mind. You're taking Cam. Which Cam? Smith. It's a good pick. I uh yeah. So I'm taking him in my one and done. In my uh in my majors draft, I'm still undecided between Scotty and Rory. Can't can't make a decision. I like that. Um, I said every I I gotta make the pick tonight. I can, gotta, I'll forget yeah, if I be- if I leave it till tomorrow morning. You know, with Kevin Williams, like the Vikings, the D-line that, that the Vikings took. Um, I don't know who I have left. Shit. God, I had I had in out I had in out an alternate prepped too. Are we gonna push we're gonna that? Do a, we're gonna do a bonus CUDA. Maybe no. we'll do a surprise little 15 minute Wednesday Barracuda preview. One in the morning, maybe, in the middle of the morning when we're just watching, you know. The Bradbury group go off one, followed by Marcel Seam and Martin Rauer. That hour, we'll do a little 15-minute podcast. I think uh, I think just put me down for Kepka, I guess, my one and done. I'm, I'm on tilt here. I don't have my documents all lined up. All right. Everyone enjoy the Open Championship. We may sneak in an in-out alternate for Barracuda. Just a, just a little goodie, a little treat. That's 10 minutes. Right when episode. I wake up. 1 a.m. I don't know. Head yeah, out to the shed. Stand up. Probably be, be most effective way to wake up. There are other events this week. There's an LPGA event, U.S. Girls Junior, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, standing up does feel like a good way to jump in to the day. So, all right, everyone enjoy the Open Championship. Keep an eye out for a little bonus episode. Thank you guys for your continued support. We'll have daily pods after each show, uh, each round, probably you know, late afternoon, Eastern time on the United States. Uh, but, you know, aside from that, subscribe to Friday newsletter, lock in. It's going to be a great weekend. Mm-hmm.